<laughs> thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Jesus. Well, good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord downstairs again. Many years since I've been teaching here. Amen. We want to get right into the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. Matthew chapter 16, verse 12. And we're talking about overcoming false doctrine, overcoming false doctrine. Matthew 16, verse 12, Jesus teaching, Then understood they how that he baited them not beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Amen. You see, they was fair because they believed in angels and the resurrection, so they was called Pharisees. And they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in either. <laughs> so, so you're going to be either fair or you're going to be sad. I choose to be fair. Amen. Praise God. So we're talking about false doctrine, overcoming false doctrine. And you notice throughout the whole year we've been talking about being an overcomer. Amen. And according to Wikipedia, doctrine is a codified codification of beliefs or a body of teachings, of instructions, taught principles, of positions as the essence of teaching in a given branch of knowledge or belief system. Often doctrine specifically suggests a body of religious principles as it is promulgated by a church or published by a church. And some organizations, doctrine is simply defined as that which is taught. In other words, the basics for institutional teachings of its personal internal uh, ways of doing business. Doctrine is something that is proven to be true, will work, and will and when applied will render you with good results. The Bible gives us as, as many warnings against false doctrines and false teachings of such, so that we may be aware of them and avoid them. Paul told the church at Rome in Romans chapter 16, verse 17 and 18, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offense contrary to the doctrine, which you have learned, and avoid them, for they are such, serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by some good words, and by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. He informed Timothy for the purpose to which he left them in Ephesus, as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou might charge some that they teach no other doctrine. He told Titus, but speak thou things which become sound doctrine, Titus 2, verse 1. And to the church at Ephesus, he informed them that the fivefold ministry was developed, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. And so we must be aware of false doctrine. And so during this lesson, we will look at some ways to avoid it and overcome false doctrine. Amen. False doctrine is any teaching or belief that goes against the Word of God. And this is one of the reasons you hear us constantly around here pounding you to read the Bible, study the Word of God. Because if you don't do that, it's easy. You easily become a prey to false doctrine and the false teachings. And that's why so many people are led astray easily because they have the lackadaisical attitude and they won't study the Word of God. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15, he says, Study 
to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You as a born-again believer, you have got to become devoted to the word of God. It is through the word of God that we find hope. It is through the word of God that we gain wisdom. Proverbs chapter 8 tell you, does not wisdom cry and understand and put forth her voice? She's standing in the high place. She's standing in the way by the path. And coming in at the gate, at the entrance of the city, at the coming into the door. Unto you, O men, I call, and, and my voice is to the son of men. O you simple understand wisdom, and you fools be of understanding heart. Amen. Here, for I will open my mouth and, you know, and utter good things. Amen. So you've got to get in the word of God. Paul says in Corinthians that I have not seen and ears have not heard the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And see, there's so many things that God has for us, but we know that the enemy will try to trip you up. He will try to lead you astray from the doctrine of Jesus Christ. False doctrines. This is why Paul, look at Galatians 1 verse 6 through 9. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 through 9. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 through 9. Paul's right into the church. He says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him, which has called you unto the grace of God. Unto what? Another gospel. Say. But, which is not another, right? But though we, there's going to be some people that's going to trouble you, right? In other words, there are going to be some people that's just going to try to lead you astray. There's going to be some people that's going to try to tell you what you have ain't right. There's going to be some people that's coming in with all kinds of junk, okay, to try to lead you astray. They're going to try to trouble you, okay. He says, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached. He says, let them be accursed. And he says, so as I said before, so now I say again, if any preach any other gospel, let them be accursed. And that's why you have to know. If you don't know the gospel, if you don't know the doctrine, if you don't know the teachings, you'll pray. You know, you're easy led away. You know, and so you have to be aware of that. If not, you will be easy caught astray. And Matthew chapter number two, uh 24, in verse 4 through 5, Matthew 24, verse 4 and 5, Jesus says, take heed, I think that's where it starts, take heed that no man, what? Deceive you. Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and Romans of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nations, and kingdoms against kingdoms. And there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrow. You know, one of the things you see that's a lot is going on around here today in the world is a lot of end time teaching. You know, don't get me wrong, end time 
teachings are important, but I think end times teachings need to be edification for the body of Christ because if it comes, you're going to get out of here. <laughs> but a lot of it is troubling people's minds. A lot of people is being deceived because they think that it's coming right now. You know, Jesus says, no man knows the minute or the hour when the Son of Man is going to come. Not even the angels in heaven. So how do you think somebody is going to be able to sit down and calculate when he's coming? You know, some people say 88 reasons, you know, 1988. And then some guy this year says it was going to be on some date, you know, and... And, and, and it, 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 you know, it is not coming. You know, we had nine, we had ninety uh, Y two K, all these things. Don't be deceived. Okay, Jesus tells you right here that wars and rumors of wars. He says these things are just the beginning of sorrow, but the end is not yet. See, so man can read all the books he wants, but he's not going to know when God is coming. You know, Jesus says, if the good man of the house would have known, he'd have watched. <laughs> you know, so you got to not, you know, that can become false teaching and false doctrine if you're not careful. Because you start going down that path, and as a result, you know, I've seen people, believe me, that that's where their whole mind focus is, is on the end times. And as a result, they're, they're more discouraged than anything else. Jesus says, I am come that you might have life and that more abundantly. When we are serving God and loving God with a pure heart and a pure mind, amen, we're going to have joy. We're not going to be worrying about the end times and none of that stuff. You know, I, I'm telling you, I'm a pastor. I don't, even, I don't even care. You know, I'm living my life as my pastor taught me like he's coming this very moment and preparing for it if he ain't coming for a hundred years. That's how I live. I'm not, when they start talking that end time stuff, I just brush it off my back because I know none of them know. So I don't even get caught up in it. And I pray that none of you do either. So, you know, because you don't know. You, you, you're never pinpointed. All you're going to do is discourage and lead people astray. And so, you know, that's why I don't even have people come teaching end times, you know, because they don't know. So, so we have to realize that, you know, these are just the beginning of sorrows. And so one of the main reasons we stress, as I said earlier, for you to read the Word of God and to study the Word of God and to study the Bible is because of false doctrine. Amen. If you, we don't know what is in the Word of God, then we can become easy prey. Amen. Jesus says also in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 and 16, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are raving wolves, and you shall know them by their fruit. Amen. You will know them by their fruit. You should be able to determine who is false and true based on your study of the Word of God. The Spirit will lead you and guide you to all truth. And Jude verse 3, Jude verse 3, Jude says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exalt you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ, the faith, the death, the burial, and the resurrection is where you should be focused. Amen. You died to your sins. You was buried and you rose again. You're walking in newness of life. Amen. Your mind, your hopes, and everything is set on things above and not on things of this earth. John tells us, amen, in 1 John chapter 2 verse 18. He lets us know. He says, little children, 1 John 2, 18. He says, little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that the Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby you know that it is the last time. See, a lot of teaching people is talking about an Antichrist. They talk, they're looking for a person that's come. Well, John tells you they're already here. You know what anti means? It means against. Amen. So if you're against Christ or they're against Christ, they're already here. So you don't have to look too far today to see, amen, the Antichrist. They are everywhere. As Paul told the church, you know, Satan has transformed himself into an angel light. Therefore, it's no big thing if his angels appear as ministers of righteousness. So you have to study the Word of God, amen, to be able to deceive, not be deceived by these things that are in the world. And Second John chapter 1, Second John chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, John goes on and he says, For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver. And an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but we receive a full reward. Notice, John is constantly pounding about the antichrist. You know, he says they're already here. All right, so you have to study the word of God so that you can identify them. Jesus says you will know them by their fruit. Amen. So you should know who you are in him. You should have your faith built in him. You should be strong in him. And you should know what is in the word of God. David says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The entrance to thy word give it light. Amen. So we have to study the word of God. Amen. So that we know. So let me give you a few false doctrines so you can hopefully compare with the Word of God and begin to gain an understanding so that you won't be deceived. Amen. Now, we know there's only one God. All right? We know there's only one God. But there's a teaching that says that Jesus is three persons in the Godhead. Jesus is never mentioned as a person in the Godhead. Amen. Colossians 2, verse 89. Paul tells you to beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. For in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and we are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. Amen. So the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is all in Jesus Christ. These are not persons. These are titles. Amen. Jesus was the Father in creation. He was the Son in redemption. And He is the Holy Ghost in operation. Say that again. Jesus was the Father in creation. He's the Son in redemption. And He's the Holy Ghost in operation. Amen. 
He composed of all body, soul, and spirit. Jesus is the God-man. Amen. And so, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. Jesus says in John 10:30, I and my Father is one. John 14:9, he told Philip, He that had seen me have seen the Father, and how says this show us the Father. You know, these scriptures seem so common and so so you know easy to memorize, but if you are not rooted and grounded in that belief and understanding, you can be persuaded. You know, there's a lot of people that says they're apostolic, been in church all their life, you know, but they can't explain it. They have no idea. They they are they question, you know, because they can't explain it, then they uh, are afraid to try to witness about it or stand for it, you know, because the Trinitarians or those that comes will try to deceive you to get you uh, to try to think that Jesus is not God. And so this is why Paul, right into the church, he says, Mark them that cause offense and division contrary and avoid them. Amen. You know, you don't need to get in an argument over the Godhead. You don't need to get in an argument with anybody about Jesus versus the, the Trinity. I don't have time for that foolishness. You know, if you tell me you're a Christian, you're supposed to be believing just like I am. You're supposed to be, if I say I have truth, you know, both of us can't have truth. You know, so you need to realize that there's nothing to argue about. If two Christians is arguing, what, what does that happen? What does that bring, produce? It brings nothing. You know, the, you're right. So you have to be aware of that. Amen. So we have to realize that that is the teaching and that is the doctrine that people like to bring up. You know, some look at Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, where Jesus says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Uh, teach them to observe. And what you will find is a lot of times... Uh, People are are set in their ways on certain things of their teachings and their their uh, tenets of their organization, and so. But if if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you need to be aware of that. You know, I, I I'm standing here teaching you, you know, and you're believing me. But you need to make sure what I'm saying across this pulpit is coming out of that book. Amen. Amen. Because I can lead you astray just as quick as anybody else. You know, so you need to study. You need to get in the Word of God. I pray that I don't lead you astray. But you need to know what's in there. So if I get off track, you know, you you can put the brakes on your train and says, this train ain't going any further. You know, with that, with that conductor. <laughs> you know, I'm getting off at the next track, the station, you know, and, and go there. Amen. So, that's one of the false teachings that, you know, Jesus is three persons in the Godhead. You know, and that's why John, throughout scriptures you find that there are comments made that could, could lead you to believe that way. But you have to get a clear understanding through the word. I will tell you, the revelation of the truth of the doctrine of, of one God is going to come from God. It's not going to come to you by me over this pulpit or whatever. You're going to have to have that knowledge given to you by God himself the same way I did. You know, and once that comes, it will stick. 
Amen. He will bring you into that understanding. The second one is that you're saved by grace alone. You know, a lot of people go to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, but where it says, by grace are we saved and not of works. Amen. Well, if, if you are only saved by grace, then everybody's saved. You know, everybody's saved if you, if you, cause John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to whose help believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So if I'm only saved by grace, then everybody is saved. See? And Jesus disputed that comment real quick, didn't he? And Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Matthew 7, 21, Jesus says, Not everyone say to me, Lord, Lord, is going into heaven. See? You have to be a doer of the word of God. Amen. See, if you're going to go to heaven... You know, you got to follow peace with all men and holiness without shall no man see the Lord. Hebrews twelve, fourteen. So you're not saved by grace alone. Amen. God calls us through the preached word. Amen. He, he calls. No man can come to the Father except he draws him. And so when we minister the word of God, you know, it draws people to God. You know, the Psalms that says in Psalms 130, I think it is in verse 5, he says, Lord, if you were to mark iniquities, who could stand? You know, he says, but what? There's forgiveness with you that you should be feared or reverenced. Amen. See, if God was to mark us, everyone would be dropped dead right now. See, that, you know, God's unmerited love that he gives us. He gives everybody a chance, see, to come to that knowledge of the understanding and come to him to be saved. That's why Calvary was all about. You know, that's why Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering towards us. What? Not willing that any should perish, but all should come, what? To repentance. See? So when people will turn around and come to the Lord, they have that opportunity now to be saved. That's why heaven get excited over one sinner that repents. See, because that's the first step to salvation is repentance. You, you know, you don't get saved without repentance. You know, you have to repent first. You have to recognize your sins. So you're not saved but just grace only. Amen. You have to. I mean, that was Psalms 130 verse 3. Amen. Amen. So, so we're not saved by grace alone. The next false doctrine is just confessing, Romans 10. Romans 10. Now, I know some of this is, is, is probably on your paper. We'll jump through this, you know, some of these scriptures, they're in there somewhere, and you've got to go home and do your homework and study all this stuff. I just put scriptures on the paper so you could go home and study. You know, I don't want you to be lackadaisical and lazy at home doing nothing. <laughs> Amen. So people say... You know, all you got to do is just confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart and you're saved. That's not what that is saying. All right. If you started with verse one, notice what Paul says in, 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 in Romans one. He says, brethren, chapter Romans chapter one. He says, brethren, my heart and desire to who? You got Romans one. I meant 10. Romans 10, verse 1. My mistake. My mistake. I'm sorry. See? 
See, you guys, you guys flipping, you just flipping, you should have said, no, that's not where it is. See, you should have known where it was. See, I could have led you astray right there. See, deceived you. See, could have deceived you. And y'all have just sat there and, oh, he knows. <laughs> Romans 10, rise one. Brethren, my heart desire for prayer to God is that Israel, that they might be saved. See, remember what happened. Israel rejected him. See, that's why the Bible says what? He came unto his own, and his own received them not. See, they rejected him. That's why when you are reading the scriptures and Jesus goes into a place, who is he having a hard time with? The Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes. See, you know. They kept rejecting him, and they should have known. That's why Jesus constantly kept saying to them, Have you not read what David did? Have you not read Solomon? Have you not read what the prophets said? You know, he says, If you'd have read, you would have known who I am, because they spoke of me. See? But they didn't. So he says, Brethren, my heart desire and prayers for Israel that they might be saved. He said, They have a what? A zeal for the things of God, but not according to knowledge. See? They have this zeal, but not according to knowledge. See? Go ahead, read a little bit more. They're ignorant of God's righteousness. See? The reason they're ignorant of God's righteousness is because they rejected Him. See? Look at Romans. Keep your, keep your spot there. Now go to Romans chapter 1, verse uh, 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believe, to the Jew and also to, okay? For therein is what? The righteous. Faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, right? So the righteousness of God is by the gospel. See? That's why when you look at Galatians 3, you know, Paul tells us that the law was what? Our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. See, the law is the end of righteousness when they come to Jesus Christ. I meant the, the, the righteousness. Jesus is the end of the law, the righteousness, when people come to Christ. And there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. See, because that's what the gospel is designed to do. Once we get in Christ, we are in righteousness. And that's what the law was all about, was to bring them to Christ. See, and once you're in Christ, what happens? The law is written on your heart. It's in your minds. See, so that you know him. And so you are supposed to now operate in righteousness. You're supposed to learn to do right and not wrong. See, when you read the word of God, you're supposed to automatically start doing what is right. Because God is the God of righteousness. It is the white linen of the saints of God is righteousness. Righteousness means it's preparing you to be pure. See, and so you have to learn. This is why when you look at the epistles, all they're doing is teaching right from wrong. That's all they're doing. See? 
It, it, that's what Paul is just pounding the drum is, look, you can't continue to eat up the devil's table and the table of the Lord. You can't continue to fornicate. You can't continue to do all these things that you used to do. You're a new creature now in Christ Jesus. You've got to learn to do what is right now. See, that's what he's trying to get us to see in the epistles. Okay? And, and so, you know, when you look at Romans 10, just confessing. To confess in the Greek means that you come into an agreement. That's what that means. So if, I, if I'm reading the Word of God and God says, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. You know, I have to confess, yep, I'm a sinner. You know, if God says I'm righteous, I confess, yep, I'm righteous. You know, I'm just coming into an agreement. So if I confess that I hear what I need to do to be saved, if the Word of God says I need to repent of my sins, I need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins and be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and live a holy, godly, separated life. i got to come into agreement with that. See? I have to confess that. Yes, I agree. That's what it says. You know, and I have to do it. And so what Paul is saying, if they would confess Jesus, Israel would confess Jesus, they could be saved. He said they got a zeal, but not according to what? Knowledge. See? They rejected him. See? And so therefore, people just teach, oh, just confess Jesus and you're saved. No, you aren't. See? Because if you was, it would be pretty good and easy to do, wouldn't it? You know? That's right. You know? So we have to realize this. You know? There's a pattern. That's why the Lord told Moses, see, you make all things what? According to the pattern showed you in the mount. See? You don't see none of the apostles running around saying, oh, just confess Jesus. You don't see that. You know? You know, even though Paul wrote Romans, what does he say to the guys when he, when he meets them? In Ephesus, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? He said, well, we have not so much heard there be any Holy Ghost. He said, well, what do we, how were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. Well, John verily baptizes the baptism of repentance. Say, you shall believe on him which shall come out of which was Jesus Christ. Now, when they heard this, they was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. See, if all you had to do was, to be saved was confess... The unit in Acts chapter 8, when Philip drew to the chariot, you know, as soon as he was already reading about Jesus Christ. So, you know, he was believing, and, and, and we have to Philip expound to him and showed him, what did he say? Oh, yeah, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And then, what did he say? Hey, here's some water. What have hindered me to be baptized? You know, and Philip says, you can may if you, if you know. And he says, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he stopped the chariot. They went down and baptized. If all I had to do was confess, just keep on riding down the road. What do I need water for? You know? If all I had to do was confess, look at Acts 10. Cornelius was already confessing. Man, he was built a memorial. 
You know, that's the sign. I'm confessing that the things of God is right, man. He's doing everything right. And what did the angel say? You need to send the job of one Simon, you know, he's down there with, by the tanner, and he'll come and tell you what you need to do. Can he is delayed? No, he's sent. And when Peter came, he began to tell him what he needed to do. And they was baptized. If all he had to do was just confess, he was already doing that. You know, but he wasn't saved. See? Same thing with John the Baptist guys. You know, in Acts 19. They was confessing Jesus. You know? And as a result, you know, they still needed to be baptized. So these are some of the doctrines that you have to be aware of so that you're not led astray. You know, Lydia in her household in Acts 16, a jailer in Acts 16, you know, all these, many, many, many throughout scriptures, you know, so you have to realize that. Amen. Another false doctrine, there is no heaven and no hell, you know, that's, that's the doctrine that is being taught. There's no heaven, there's no hell. Well, we know different, don't we? You know, in Luke 16, Jesus tell the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Where is the rich man vet? The Bible specifically point out that he's in hell and he's in torment. And he says, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip his finger in water and touch my tongue, for I'm parching in this place. You know, Jesus, believe me, Jesus would not have told that parable if it wasn't true. See? So, and they talked about heaven. You know, in Matthew 5, you know, he talks about, blessed are you, you know, the poor in spirit, for theirs is what? The kingdom of heaven. So there is a heaven and there is a hell. You know, if not, there's, there's not a heaven, we're just wasting our time, right? Amen. So, so you have to be aware of this. Amen. And so, you know, there's another doctrine out there that tongues was only for the apostles. You know? That's the that's false teachings that is being taught as well. Well, we know that's not true, right? You know, they says it was only for the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Well, look at all the other accounts throughout the book of Acts. Amen. That we have to... Amen. So you have to be aware of that. Amen. Another one is you don't, don't care how you look. It's the heart that matters. You know, wrong answer. <laughs> The Bible tells you to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you to myself, and I'll be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So, so, but you see, there's, it's easy if we're not careful to be led astray. See? So you've got to study the Word of God. You've got to know Christ in his deity because everything of the Christian flows from your understanding of that. And you have to be rooted and you have to be grounded uh, in your beliefs and in your walks. Amen. The gospel is very important to you as a child of God because it brings you into that relationship and you have the purpose in your heart that I am going to walk according to the Word of God. I'm going to live my life. This is why James tell you in James 1, 22, don't just be a hearer of the Word. You've got to be a doer of it. Because if not, you can be deceived. Okay? You can easily be deceived if you are not rooted in the Word of God. Amen. 
Don't be quick to preach and teach what you hear without verifying through the Word of God. You know, sometimes people, you know, hear things and they start blabbing, and it's not true. A good example, you know, we was at our minister's conference this year, and Brother Jimmy Tooney, you know, he had this box, and, and he was standing in the box, and he was talking about Jesus and the disciples, you know, being in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. You know, and they, Jesus was in the boat, and he says, and guess what the Greek word for boat is? You know, and he says, box. And everybody was getting ready to start running out and says, you know, oh, the Greek word is, is box for boat. And he says, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, and his point was, don't you run out of here and start just telling everything and believing everything that you hear. Because... You know, a lot of people do that, you know, and so it doesn't, may not mean that. If somebody says something means something in Greek or Hebrew, then you go get your, your, uh, your strong concordance and you look it up yourself. You know, all these gadgets you got now, you can download a whole lot of Bible stuff. You can uh, download uh, the uh, Touch Bible which will give you both Greek and Hebrew, and you can just touch on words, and it'll give you the Greek meaning. If it's in the New Testament, if it's in the Old Testament, it'll give you what the Hebrew word means of it. And so you can look these things up for yourself. Let me encourage you, amen, to, to download it on your apps because uh, it's free. And, you know, buy one at the Barnes & Noble, a strong concordance Bible, and... Uh, and that way you can look at this stuff and see what does it actually mean so that you're not being led astray in this stuff. So you don't want false doctrine to, you know, because it can easily be, seem like it's so close. See, if you're not careful. But if you should know the fruit, you should know, amen, if you're reading correctly. Amen. So, number one, you've got to know the apostolic doctrine pertaining to one God. You know, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.16, he says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. He says, God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, Believed on in the world and received back up in the glory. Amen. So that helps you get a clear understanding of the oneness of God. Amen. So that you do not be led astray. John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. In verse 14. And the Word became what? Flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. So, you, you, you know, the, the, we call it the oneness. And that's what a lot of the, the people uh, out there, they will try to come against you because this and says, you know, you're living in false doctrine. No, you're not. Amen. You're not living in false doctrine. Amen. You have to get into the Word of God. Isaiah 43, 10 through 12. Isaiah 43, 
verse 10 through 12. So we're talking about overcoming false doctrine. Isaiah, the Old Testament. <laughs> New Testament. <laughs> you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen, that you may know, believe me, that I am I am He, right? I am He. Before me, there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I am the Lord, and beside me, there is no Savior, right? So think about that. So what do you say you are? You're as witnesses. Say, you are my witness. You are my witness. Okay? So you have to know. A true witness knows. A true witness has seen. A true witness is aware of. Okay? So Jesus says, you are my witnesses that I am he. See? Before me there was no God form, and neither shall there be after me. See? So he's the only one. John 8, 24 what did Jesus say? John eight twenty four. That may not be on your paper. John eight twenty four. I think is eight twenty four. What does it say? What is it? Amen. You don't believe I'm He, you're going to die in your sins. See? Because nobody can forgive sins but who? God. See? So you you are my witnesses that I'm He. See? So you, you have to have this knowledge and understanding of who God is. You know... Say again. Okay. Amen. That's right. There it is. Amen. See, so so this portion you you've got to have. This is the this is the catalyst. This is the rock that you build your life on. Is because if you don't know this piece of the puzzle then you're going to be easily deceived because everything flows from this knowledge. See? That's why, you know, when you look at John, John chapter, I mean, First John uh, chapter 5, verse 7, you know, John says there's three that what? Bear record in heaven. Who, who are they? Father, Word, and the Holy Ghost, right? Okay. So... You know, and, and people see that and they try to say it's, it's, it's three. 
And he says right at the end, they're one. Right? See? The Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. You know, you just tell them, you mean to tell me the Son don't agree in heaven with the Father? I thought you God said He was at the right hand. <laughs> you know? So, who is He? <laughs> you know? So, you've got to have this clarity of understanding. Amen. Isaiah 9, 6. Unto us a child is born, and the government shall be upon His shoulder. Wonderful. The mighty God. Father and the Prince of Peace. Amen. We're going to hear a whole lot of that about next month pretty soon, aren't we? You know, what an opportune time for you as his witnesses and as his servants to tell somebody who it really is. You know, to bring them into the understanding of the mighty God. You know, so therefore it flows from this knowledge and from this understanding so that you can avoid the false doctrines and the false teachings. See? Amen. Salvation. Amen. Neither is there salvation and any other. For there is none of the name in the heaven given unto men whereby... Acts 4.12, right? Amen. You're not going to be saved outside of God. You know? He's the only one that can save. As we just saw in John 8.24, if you don't believe I'm He, you're going to die in your sins. See? Because if you never believe, then you're never going to come. See, he came to his own. As many as received him, John says, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. See, he gives you the spirit. That's why Paul would write to the Romans church in Romans 8 and 9, Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. See, so this is why you... You need to show these to people, and you have to believe, you know, the, the importance of having the Holy Ghost. This is why Jesus says in John 3, you know, except you're born again of the water and the Spirit, you can't see nor can you enter the kingdom of God. And that's why, you know, Paul says, well, if you don't have the Spirit, you're none of His, you're not going to heaven without His Spirit. You know, He died so you could live. His grace is sufficient. You know, you know, you can be saved because of His mercy and His grace. But you've got to move from where you are and come, people have to move and come to Him. Amen. In order to be saved. You know, it's kind of like, a, you know, if I'm drowning in the middle of the ocean and Brother Richard throw me a life vest out there and says, Hey, Pastor, put that on or you're going to drown. And I say, Oh, I don't need it. You know? And I drown. Whose fault is it? Lord. It's mine. He tried to help me. You know? And it's the same concept. You know? Jesus has made a way for us to be saved. You know? He came that we might live. You know? But if we reject it, it's not going to be His fault. You know? That's why Jesus told Nicodemus, as you're reading John 3, you know, he says, you know, God sent not his son in the world, verse 17, I think it is. God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He says, here's condemnation. He says, lights come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. But why? Because their deeds are evil. See? 
So the oneness of God, when we say oneness of God, all we are saying is Jesus is God. Okay? That's why some people go out there, oh, they just oneness. No, we're Jesus everything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know that's, that's the key. We're Jesus everything. We believe Jesus died for our sins. He rose again. We believe he's the Father in creation. He's the Son in redemption. He's the Holy Ghost in operation. And nobody can be saved without him. You know, I love him. He's God. <laughs> That's right. And you, you, need to, you need to have this solid in your heart. Amen. Amen. Holiness. You know, the reason holiness is so beautiful, amen, and that's why it's called the beauty of holiness, is because you're setting yourself apart. You're coming out from the world, and you are being able to be seen. That's why Jesus says you are a city that is set on a hill that can't be hid. See? Your light is to be seen. The, the, the character and the attributes of God in you is being manifested to a lost and dying world. You know, it's not about the makeup and the jewelry and all this stuff. You are being who Christ created you in His likeness, His reflection. See, and so and as a result of this, what you are showing forth is the fruit of the Spirit is coming out of you. See, He's the vine, you are the branch. See, and so the beauty of, of holiness is that the, the character of God is being manifested through you. His love is coming out of you. His joy is coming out of you. His peace, His goodness, His gentleness... His faith, His meekness, His temperance, you know, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, amen, the working of miracles, the healings, amen, the prophecies, the tongues, the interpretation, all these things, the ministration, all these things, the beauty, you know. Now, you stop and think about Solomon's temple. It was beautiful, wasn't it? The Bible tells us it was beautiful. And notice what it relates us to. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Christ died for you. So if Christ is in you, the abode, amen, he's taking up residence inside of you. This is what I said earlier is that you learn to do right versus do wrong. It don't take much to do right once you become a Christian versus doing wrong. You have to, you know what, when you become a Christian... You have to not choose to do wrong. You, you, you do. You have, to, you have to choose to do wrong. Because the Spirit is already working in you. And every time you go to do wrong, there's that little mindset. Goes, All right, you know you're not supposed to be doing that. You know? And so, therefore, you've got to learn. So, I go back to holiness. It's beautiful. See? Because you're set apart. Just like a bride is set apart for the bridegroom. You know? She makes herself beautiful. As I said, I think I said this the other day in, my, in one of my messages. You know, the thing you find, look at Esther. You know, for a whole year, she got to purify herself for the king. Six months, she was given oil and myrrh to prepare herself. The other six months, she was given other things to prepare herself. You don't see where it says anything, but he brought a whole bunch of jewelry, he brought a whole bunch of makeup and all this stuff to prepare her, you know. She was pure. And that's why when she walked down that aisle, 
he, the Bible says he loved her, you know, that more than all the others, and she, he placed the crown upon her head. See, she was beautiful, you know, she had prepared herself for her bridegroom, you know, and so that's why, that's what we're doing in holiness is we're preparing ourselves, you know, don't let the world, see, this is why one of the false doctrines that is out there, you know, the world try to tell you, oh, you can do this and be saved, you can do that, you know, you have to ask yourself, if I follow that pattern, who's going to see me? Am I going to look any different than the world? See, you have to ask yourself, am I going to be any different than the people around me? Is people going to think me just like everybody else? See, or am I going to be the city on the hill? If I'm going to be the light of the world, you know, see, I have to be strong in my beliefs in Christ and the doctrine of Jesus Christ. That's why you see Paul is constantly said, come out from among them. If he wanted me to stay with them, he just said, stay with them. But they said, no, you need to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. See? And so these are, these are doctrines that you're going to have to take a stand against. And in these last days, you know... They, there's this new thing now. We'll talk probably more about it. It's called the nunners. <laughs> Nun folks that don't have no religion. Nunners. It's called nunners. You know, now. Generation Z. You know, that's coming out. If you was born between 1993 and today, you're you're Generation Z. You're nunner. You know, probably they say over 25% of the people in America today don't associate with any kind of religion. And so that's why so much of this stuff is is coming about now. And so therefore you have to be we we have to watch how Satan is operating in these last days to try to deceive us. Amen. All right. So good stuff. All right. So ooh, eight o'clock. Amen. Don't forget Veterans Day dinner Sunday. You know, get the word out. 10.30, 10 o'clock prayer, 10.30, amen. We'll start our uh, program, and then we'll have fellowship and eat as well. And uh, I need you to pray for me as I will head to Uganda uh, Monday evening. So I'll be gone for about a week and a half. So pray for me while I'm in Africa <laughs> that I don't get ate by the lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. <laughs> but just pray for pray for me. You know, that I'll be there doing teaching and uh, stuff of that nature. So pray that they have electricity the whole while I'm there because they are used to usually don't. You know, and the weather forecast is thunderstorms and rain. So that could be a mud, muddy, good missions trip. So, but, uh, so just pray for me for that. Oh, I am. I am. So, amen. So, uh-uh. Oh, just about a week and a half. Yeah, so. Amen.